Welcome to the Mission Matters podcast, celebrating the people and initiatives that embody the Jesuit tradition of St. Louis University, celebrating what matters in the 200-year-old-plus mission that is St. Louis U, brought to you from the Office of Mission and Identity. So welcome back. This is Virginia Herbers with the Office of Mission and Identity, and I am very happy today to have two guests to speak with us about the Transformative Workforce Academy here at St. Louis University. That is okay. Meredith Rataj, the Program Director, and Jeff Smith, who serves as an advisor to the Transformative Workforce Academy, affectionately called TWA. So let's just start off giving an overview of each of yourselves to our audience, but also a little bit about what exactly the Academy is. Take it away, Meredith. Well, thank you, Jeff. So I'm the program director for TWA, and I've been with SLU TWA um, only since July of 2022, so just six months, but I'm really enjoying it. Previously, I worked in nonprofits in St. Louis, actually for St. Francis Community Services, which is a Catholic charities agency with the immigrant community. And I was really drawn to reentry work. I find that there's a lot of overlap in thinking about populations, um, especially people who are stigmatized, marginalized by the broader community, and with a lot of barriers to overcome that are placed in the way by society. And when you say reentry, you're speaking about reentry from being incarcerated, correct? Yes. I do want to give Jeff a chance to introduce himself, but TWA specifically works with justice-involved individuals which um, is an umbrella term that encompasses all sorts of people who've had some kind of interaction with the justice system. We predominantly work with people who um, were incarcerated in prison. Uh, There's also people that weren't necessarily incarcerated, but are just on probation and parole, people coming out of jail. So those kinds of individuals where their record may impact their ability to become employed. Okay, Jeff? Yeah, so my background originally was in academia public policy professor for most of about two decades. I taught at Washington University, Dartmouth College, um, at the New School in New York City, and loved that. Was also in politics and uh, served in the Missouri State Senate, representing the western half of St. Louis City up there, where I worked on education reform, historic preservation, environmental sustainability, and criminal justice reform. But never in a million years when I was legislating on criminal justice reform did I imagine that I would have a different perspective on that issue and end up being incarcerated myself after signing a false affidavit about something that happened during one of my campaigns. Mm. So I did a year and a day and came out and got back into teaching, but also decided that in some capacity, I wanted to spend time for the rest of my career doing work involving the criminal justice system and particularly trying to help people who are coming home from prison get back on their feet. And it's in that vein that I work with TWA, came to SLU uh, almost four years ago to help kind of reinvigorate some of the criminal justice offerings in the community that the university is engaged in with a focus on the Transformative Workforce Academy, which is one of the region's hubs for second chance employment. That is, uh, we've recruited over 150 employers to be willing to hire people with felony convictions. And then we match participants, job seekers who are coming out of the criminal justice system 
with employers and try to create the best fit that we can. We like to joke that we're like the e-harmony for second chance employment. That's great. So when you say match and work with, I'm assuming that means you help with resume writing, you help with interview skills, you help with all of that? Yeah, we work on both sides of the fence, right? We work, and I mean that in a couple of different ways. We work inside of correctional facilities and we work outside once people have already gotten home, but we're also working with people in their final 90 days, either at the St. Louis County Jail, at the Transition Center, which is a state facility in St. Louis City, and then soon in state prisons across Missouri. So we also work both with job seekers and with employers. Obviously, it's important for people that haven't gotten a lot of work experience uh, in, the, in recent years to help them prepare for employment by coaching them you know, in the interview process and by helping them navigate the onboarding uh, into their job. But it's also important to talk with employers, help them understand the population and some of the challenges that this population faces, help them be a more trauma-informed employer so that they don't engage in behaviors that will trigger you know, mental health issues or conflicts among job seekers and new employees. Meredith, can I add to that? Yeah, I was going to add that it's a wide variety of individuals, um, people that are justice involved, you know, kind of represent a a wide swath of the community. So we have some people that um, enter the justice system really young and may not have a whole lot of professional experience, may not have resume uh, writing skills, or you have some people who entered a long time ago and they may have had some of those skills, but they've changed, like all everything has changed. Um, Maybe they don't have technology skills anymore because they've been incarcerated and not really had access to technology. People who have master's degrees, who know, you know, like they come with a CV, it's, it's a wide variety of people who need different types of interventions. So we cater our services, but I would say the wide majority. A lot of times people come out with not a whole lot, no resume, no real good understanding of like maybe even how to package some of what they did in prison as here's some great job experience. I look at these skills that I gained and then putting that together. Actually, one of the things we do that's different than what other people do is we put together a video resume. So it's a pitch that people film where they talk about their skills, their experience, how they've overcome adversity and what motivates them now. And so we coach them on how to put that together in a two minute video. And then we are able to send that to employers. So we do that. And then after that, we match them and then take them through the process of like, so do you know how to get to an interview? You know, like what, what are the steps um, on transportation? Do you have clothes to go to that interview? Can you put in an online application? I don't know if you've applied for a job recently, but um, at SLU, just like a lot of other places, it's all online and they are complicated systems that are hard to navigate. We work with people on that too. Look, it's hard for anybody to jump off a resume and really, you know, come to life, but it's a lot harder if you know that once they run the background check, you're going to have a line that is going to scare a lot of people. So the principle behind the video resume is to help humanize participants, job seekers who society in large part has kind of shunned. And a lot of people aren't naturally inclined to want to give others a second chance. And so we want to try to help our participants be more than just the line that you see when you run the background check from the worst thing they ever did. We want to help them contextualize the mistakes they've made, own them and take responsibility, but help employers see that there's a lot of potential 
and there's a lot uh, in particular for this population, a lot of strength and grit and resilience, which are qualities that employers are looking for that our job seekers really bring to the table. That's fantastic. And I love the name, Transformative Workforce. It speaks to exactly what the goal of the entire academy is, it sounds like. So you said you work with about 150 employers, but how many participants do you have, job seekers? Um, That kind of varies depending on the time of year. We have two virtual job fairs a year where we're recruiting a larger amount of job seekers and a larger amount of employers to kind of come together. And hopefully we have the right amount of critical mass on both sides of those. At our most recent job fair, we had um, 86 people with with filmed um, video resumes. But then throughout the year, we're receiving referrals through our partners, through probation and parole. Um, As Jeff said, it's going to increase from actual, from the institutions themselves, from prisons that we're going to be entering, and then other community partners. So we have almost that amount actually that are, that we're working with when we're not in the middle of a job fair as well. So, you know, it's, it's an ongoing process. Some people don't need as much walking alongside through the process. And so we can connect them a little bit quicker. And some people, it takes a lot longer to work on soft skills, hard skills, help them maybe more than just one or two interviews to get those skills like really solidified and then all the way through to a job. And then we've just established a brand new partnership with the State Department of Corrections, uh, as I referenced earlier, whereby we'll be going into um, the facilities on the eastern side of the state, and that will increase our volume of people we serve and increase our impact. We'll serve several hundred people uh, Mm -hmm. in 2023. That's amazing. Okay, so I've kind of an off the beaten path question, and uh, either one of you can field it or both of you. What happens when you approach a new employer and their response is like, "Ah, I just don't think I'm in for that. And you know that that response is coming from a whole set of assumptions that you are prepared to address. How do you do that? So it's a great question. A lot of the times, just to be candid with you, uh, it's not for everybody, right? And so if somebody's first instinct is just to see all the the ways that this could go wrong and to be very skeptical, then maybe they're not ready for it. There's a lot of statistics that we could put in front of them. There's been a lot of research um, on this population in the workforce, and it suggests that, number one, they're no more or less likely than any other entry-level employee to be involved in a workplace incident or cause litigation for a firm. There's also research out there that indicates that they're actually more likely to be promoted in their first two years of employment than others. And that may be attributable to, you know, the grit and resilience that I talked about earlier. Also, a lot of our job seekers, they're incredibly grateful to the first employer who will take a chance on them when they first come home. And so they're less likely to, you know, to want to say, well, I'll look for something else there. So there's some, some loyalty involved and a real effort to prove yourself, right? Because you know you've got this issue in your background, you know you don't wanna be defined by it, and you know that there's a stigma there. And so you want to constantly be thinking, how can I be better than the next guy? So we talk about that with employers. We also talk about the fact that um, it's a tough market to hire people. And that's all we've heard for the last year and a half from employers who are just like, we need a new talent pool because the people we're getting are not cutting the muster or we're just not able to find anyone at all. So there's going to be good economic cycles for us uh, and bad economic cycles for us. The last couple of years have been good for us. We may be heading into a slower economy in 2023 
that may make things a little tougher. But that's why we've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years really trying to invest in employer relationships so that they don't view this work as just another transaction of just another, hey, we'll grab three people here, you know, this year, but really thinking, what can we do to make ourselves a good second chance employer, but also use some of the principles that we're learning from TWA about becoming a trauma-informed workplace to be better for all of our employees, many of whom, even if they haven't been justice involved, have had some knocks in life and may have some of the same challenges that TWA job seekers face. Meredith? Yeah, right. There's people that if I have to work too hard to convince you, you're probably not going to be an employer that we're looking for, right? Like you need to bring, you got to bring your A game to be able to hire participants from SLUTWA, right? But there are those people in the middle that if you just have a conversation, talk about some of the stuff Jeff said. Also, there's like federal tax credits that sometimes are available. There's federal bonding that's available. And also we have uh, several job placement sites that have done the outreach for us, right? So some of the calls that I've gotten more recently are like, oh, hey, I talked to Jackie and she said you sent her some great people. We'd love to talk to you about having your people. And then, so then we have a conversation like, okay, well, you know, what works for you? What kinds of records would be appropriate? You know, sometimes people have offenses that just aren't appropriate for specific work sites, but then sometimes I get to dig a little bit deeper and say, well, you know, at your specific site, why is that, why would that be a restriction? And sometimes it's like, it's asking, you know, where did that idea come from for you? It's just a stigma, right? That you have from maybe like from watching too much specific types of media. And maybe you can unpack that a little bit. And we've gotten, you know, in conversations from a place where someone's like, oh, well, only this, this tiny group of people I'd be willing to hire to be like, oh, actually, no, you're right. Like with, with what you're telling me about, for example, recidivism rates, for what's worked for other employers, maybe, maybe we can open the door and think about a, a wider variety of job seekers that could be a great fit here. So keeping the conversation going, but what, I, what I'm what i also hearing in both of your responses is you're not trying to convince anybody of anything. There needs to be a little element of trust on the other side first. Sometimes I think, and Jeff's someone who's a little bit more involved in politics than I am, but I think mutual interest is what it comes down to a lot of the time, right? You know, the job seekers are interested and um, so, and the the employer needs to have an interest too, but I think when we can match those up together, we've had some really great partnerships. Along the lines of what Meredith just said, this is not going to work if we're relying on charity, you know, from companies. That's not the pitch. Our job seekers have got to add value and we've got to make sure that we connect them with the resources that they need to be successful at those employers. So like, you know, we've had learning, a lot of learnings just in the last few years. The first job fair that we did, a lot of our employees didn't they either didn't get through the interview process or they didn't last long. So we made some changes in our program to recruit uh, over 100 volunteer job coaches to work one-on-one with each job seeker to make sure that they had someone to lean on to help them, especially with like the technology side of getting through the process and to help them with the sometimes jarring experience of onboarding into a totally different climate than you're used to, especially disorienting if you haven't been at a job uh, outside of prison for five, 10 years. You know, onboarding is hard enough for all of us that move from job to job, you know, in the in the regular world, it's even harder for a lot of our job seekers. So we made that adjustment. And a second thing we're doing is we're trying to connect our job seekers with, as Meredith said, transportation, childcare, substance use programming, 
food from a food pantry, help them become self-sufficient. And if they're able to make themselves whole, if they're able to be happy where they are, then they can be successful in the workplace. If you're miserable, you're unhappy, your family life is a mess, you're still struggling with substance use issues, your you know behavior health is not there, it's unlikely that you're going to be on that job doing well a year from now. So we're working to build out those pipelines and partnerships across the region so that our employees are truly adding value to the companies that we serve. Sounds like the Ignatian concept of the whole person. You're not just dealing with somebody who's going to be a worker or an employer. You're dealing with the whole person and their needs and their ability, the value add, the value received. Absolutely. So that leads me to my next question, which is how do you see your work with TWA as dovetailing or being an expression of the SLU mission? Particularly, um, I'm thinking of the aspect of the mission that talks about forming men and women for and with others? Well, first of all, SLU is a employer for TWA, right? Some of our job seekers have gone on to work for SLU. So this is not just like uh, a university saying, do this, we'll preach it, but we won't practice it. SLU is walking the talk. So that's one aspect of it. Second of all, a lot of our volunteers are connected with SLU in one capacity or another. SLU employees, SLU students, SLU faculty have all volunteered. Yeah, I mean, men and women for others is a core part of of what SLU is all about. And SLU and and TWA understand that this community, this region has a big challenge with public safety and has a big challenge with stagnant economic growth. And if we can be a small part of helping this region, because we know that a lot of people who just come out of prison are prone to end up back if the first few months don't go well. If they're desperate for money, desperate for income, desperate for purpose, desperate for community and companionship and the kinds of pro-social activities you can get at being in a job. So we want to help employers. We want to help communities. We want to help individuals. We want to help grow this region. And uh, as this program continues to expand, we think it can have a, a, a real impact on the region's public safety because the same people who come out of prison and don't have a place to live, don't have income, don't have positive influences in their life, are the ones that may end up committing crimes against that community that they feel alienated from uh, six months after they come home without the embrace of organizations and people like TWA's volunteers and employers. Right. I also think about the work that um, our coaches and especially our employment specialists now to walking alongside people, not just like doing things for people, but um, working to inform them like, here's what it can look like, here's how you can do it too. And really cultivating a sense of self-confidence that's not just for this this one particular activity of finding this one job, but then that it expands into feeling more confident and more able to you know like navigate life outside of an institution on their own. I think that's been really fun to see, especially our new employment specialist bringing that. Like, it's really, really important to her that people walk away from here believing in themselves. And I see that that work happening um, on a daily basis with the participants, which is really, really exciting. But the other thing I was thinking of too was the only thing I've seen from SLU since I started is how mission-based everyone here has been. And it's been really exciting 
Our program got to kind of shift from one place within the School for Professional Studies to another. And within both, I found that the staff at SLU have felt like this program is a way for them to not just like working with students, but also working through our program, live out the mission of SLU, even when it's like what I'm asking them to do for me has nothing really to do with their job description within the School for Professional Studies. But everyone's like, yes, this is really exciting and like invigorating. And even though it's like another task on top of my regular job, people are actually just like, how can I help? How can I be a part of this? And I loved feeling that way at SLU. It's been really exciting. And we got to give a couple of shout outs. I mean, the assistance of Catherine Kane at the Workforce Center was critical to get us getting us up and running. David Suwalski, Vice President of Mission and Identity, has been a great supporter. Now that we're in the School of Professional Studies, John Burke, Beth Lawrence, we've just had amazing support. And as Meredith said, this is not their job, really. And people have just gone out of their way because I think they feel the same sense of mission that we alluded to earlier and realize that uh, in a lot of ways, TWA incorporates what SLU is about and appeals to the best of uh, the university. I think that's very well put. Well, thank you for that. So let me ask you one final question. And that would be, given that this is the Transformative Workforce Academy, how have you personally been transformed by the work of TWA? So I've been working in reentry for a little over a decade since I came home. Every day that I'm able to see someone who I helped out along the way, some of whom were TWA job seekers, others who I dealt with with, with other organizations in the reentry space, it's just the most rewarding thing to be able to do. Look, when I came home from prison, I had every advantage compared to 99.9% of people who come home from prison uh, in this region, in this country, really. I had a PhD from a great university. I had a physical home to go home to. I had family members who were angry at me, but they loved me. I'm white. In almost every regard, I was advantaged compared to most people. And yet I had a really hard time finding a decent job. And in my first job interview, the vice chair of the board that interviewed me said, look, we love everything you're saying and we think you're you're great, but why shouldn't we let someone else hire you? And then we could just hire you away in a year or so once the aroma has started to wear off. That's even with all the advantages I had, that's the question that I got in a job interview. Wow. So imagine how hard it is for everybody else, for most people to be able to have a small role in helping provide resources, financial, intellectual, just connections I have in the region um, on behalf of people who are in a much worse predicament than I was ever in is incredibly gratifying. Meredith? So my experience is a little different. Jeff points out that I'm I'm not just as involved. And that comes probably from a lot of privilege. I was born into a really um, a different environment than some of our, our participants. What I find really rewarding about this is uh, human dignity is a, one of my core values. And this program does nothing but make sure that that is honored throughout the process. One of the um, other things that I just love doing is getting to watch the videos. And if anybody wants to help coach and be a part of creating that, it's really um, it's really fun because you get to just sit there and help people think about what are the great things about you? How can we highlight that? And so when actually, when I did the last job fair, I got to watch, not had to, but got to watch 86 videos of people talking about like the great things about themselves and like what motivates them. And it was so fulfilling to hear people talk about like, I just, I want to be a a role model for my kids. 
And when you get to do that, you like you also see like the humanity, that human dignity that I was talking about. You're like, oh, that I, that's me. You know, like you just see yourself reflected in right. in all the job seekers. And I love it. It's really fun. We've had volunteers tell us it's like being a, a life coach, a cinematographer and a director all rolled into one, you know, mm-hmm. and a little bit of being a therapist because you're kind of, you know, you're asking people what motivates them and, and what makes them want to do this. And, and as Meredith said, in so many cases you hear, I want to make my kids proud. I want to make my parents proud. It is really inspiring. Yeah. Huh. Well, just on behalf, at least of the Office of Mission and Identity, I just want to put out a huge thank you to the two of you and all that your team does in the Transformative Workforce Academy. It is transformative, and that is what we are all about. St. Ignatius, at the very, very beginning, uh, talked about education as a social experiment working toward transformation. So really, really grateful for that and super grateful for the time you've given just today to this interview. We will do our best to get the word out. And if anyone's listening and interested in volunteering, I will put the website and Meredith's contact information in the episode byline. But for now, just thank you both very, very much. Been great to have you. Thank Thank you so much for inviting us. And for all of you listening, don't forget to follow us on social media at SLU Jesuit Mission on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you know of a colleague who's living the mission out loud, but seems to be hidden in plain sight, give us a heads up so we can highlight the good work being done here in our community. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, in this year of hope, let's continue to celebrate together the gift of walking with youth in the creation of a hope-filled future. Because mission matters. You can engage the mission intentionally here at SLU, and you can encounter it randomly. But good luck graduating without ever touching it in some way. God bless everyone.